Welcome back to Big Fish Little Pod. Today I'm going to go back to my early childhood. I think I was six or seven. And we went to a movie theater. And it was back in the days when if the theater was showing a movie, they just showed it from 12 o'clock on. And you would get there maybe at two o'clock. And catch the end of the movie before before you sat through the whole movie again. Um, what? Wait, hold up. That was a thing? Yeah, you just, you just went to the theater. There weren't times listed, you know. Um, and even, <laughs> even when there were times listed, you didn't have to go at those times. You just went to the theater, paid your money, and went in and took your seat. Sometimes you went in in the middle of the movie in the dark, found your seat and sat, and you watched the one movie. They didn't kick you out afterwards. Um, and you would just sit there and see the commercials, and and then the movie would start again. It was just like on a loop? Yes, yes. They just <laughs> ran it all, all. It just ran, you know? Um, obviously, they had it wasn't just a loop because they had – reels and they had to stop and and change the reels but but it was just a continual showing you know yeah so that's how long ago i'm talking about (laughs) because most people don't know that experience you know um so i'm old um (laughs) but one of the movies we went to see was the bible It was called the Bible. In truth, it was really only like the first chapters of of Genesis. Um, But it was called the Bible. Um, And and we went to see it, and it was cool. And I knew the stories, so I was pretty happy until we got to the story of Abraham. And all of a sudden, you know, Abraham had heard God's voice and left his hometown and went out to follow God faithfully. And then God, in his mind and in his spirit, hearing from God that he was supposed to sacrifice his son Isaac who he had waited a hundred years to have. And I looked at my father like, what? Because I hadn't heard that story preached. Um, And I was one of my father's sons, and I'm like, what? And... If I go back now to those days of Abraham, I now know the culture that he grew up in because the folks from Canaan um, had a god, Molech. And Molech required infant sacrifices. um, Almost to say, 
here's the fruit of you. You need to offer the first one to me, and then I will bless you with many more. And so it became cultural to sacrifice your infant, your first infant, to the god Molech. And that's a society that Abraham grew up in. It was not only normalized, but an honored tradition. And everyone did it. So when, when Abraham had heard this call from the one true God and had followed faithfully, it's easy to see and understand why he might have felt that call from his God because it was an honored tradition of the people that he was living with, maybe the people he had grown up with, to do just that. But whatever it was that led him to do it, um, he talked Isaac into going with him on a journey. And Isaac in the movie said, so dad, where are we going? You know, and, and Abraham would just say, you'll see. And they, they walked together and they went up the mountain of God. And all of a sudden, Isaac watched his father build a, an altar and gather wood. And it was like, oh, we're going to have a sacrifice. And, and he looked at his father and said, but we don't have anything to sacrifice. And that's when his father told him that, that he was the sacrifice. And in the movie, Isaac understood and laid down on the altar. And I'm like, what? And I can't believe that my father was letting us watch this without saying anything about it. Something was wrong in my mind. And I was taking it very personally as I was identifying with Isaac. And then Abraham took out his knife and raised it up to heaven and was just about to plummet it into his son when the angel of the Lord stopped him and showed him a ram that was caught in a thicket and said, God has provided the sacrifice for you. And then I was able to breathe I didn't like to see the ram sacrificed either. But at least it wasn't the son who I was identifying with. I lived with that movie for a long time. And as a child who didn't want to be sacrificed, I convinced myself 
that I could never, ever do that. And then once I had a son and a daughter, and then another daughter came along, I can't imagine myself ever doing that. I think it would send me into such a trauma that I would literally kill myself before I killed my child. But I didn't grow up in Abraham's day. I didn't grow up in Abraham's culture. So I don't know what I would do in that situation. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, I think the idea of us not being able to imagine that we could sacrifice our child is valid because in the world that we live in, that doesn't seem possible. But I think when we look back on history, it's so often that we say, oh, I could never have done that. I would have been the one to help hide Anne Frank. You know, mm-hmm. I never would have been the one like turning in my neighbor. But the point is like we don't understand the intricacies and the emotions, the limitations of people who were experiencing big historical moments at that time. And I think so often in hindsight, as quote unquote modern people, we can't imagine doing the things that people of the past did. But the reality is, is that almost all of them did that. (laughs) And so if we were alive then, which I, as someone who believes in reincarnation, think I probably was alive then. Um, we probably did do what the majority of people did because we all do now what the majority of people do, yeah. you know? And it's like, you know, like it's like a more recent past that's not so charged is like something like smoking cigarettes. Right, you know? right. Like I can say like, I wouldn't smoke cigarettes. Right. Like I know it's bad for you and it's smelly and it's like unhealthy and it hurts your children. Like if I were alive in the 40s i never would have smoked cigarettes uh yeah i would have yeah. like everybody smoked because you see movies of that time and the biggest stars are glamorous as yeah. they smoke cigarettes exactly yeah. so everybody you know and so i think it's just it's a little it's it's a that's a common reaction yeah. right that we all have but yeah. most of the time that's not true Right, right. Most of the time, we would have been one of the many and we would have done what the many did, you know, which is honestly what we do now. Yeah, but my reaction in my culture, in my day and time, was to say, I can't imagine raising my hand with a knife about to kill my son in the name of God. I can't imagine doing that. I would hope that if anything, I would hope that I would drop the knife and say, God, I don't understand, but I can't do this. Um, But what I see is if I really believed it was God, 
I see the knife plunging into myself because I can't do it. I would rather have my son live. That's my thought from this day and age. Um, but as Amy has shared, you know, the vast majority of people grown up in the cultures where human sacrifices were a, an honored part of the tradition, people better than me followed along, you know? Um, so I don't know what I would have done then, but I know that I was traumatized by that. And, and I'm actually traumatized by, by the sacrificial system in general, that because of my mistakes, somebody else has to die. You know, I, I don't, I don't like that part. I can't, in my day and age as me, I think I couldn't have been a priest um, in the Jewish faith that had to slit throats of animals. And I didn't even like cleaning fish when we caught them. I didn't like not letting the fish go, you know, um, in college, I, I was a recreation major and one of the fantasy, um, recreation things that I developed was almost a Westworld kind of thing. It was a place where they had robot animals that you could hunt for for the thrill of the hunt without killing anything, you know? So in my culture, in my development, that's who I've become. Somebody who doesn't want to kill things. And that is the struggle that I have with my integrity now with eating meat. Um, you know, Amy has been a, a vegetarian for how long? 10 years. 10 years. Yeah. And I've been challenged by that decision and, and she's been gracious. She's, you know, she's been gracious in that, but I've been challenged by that because I would struggle as a priest if I had to kill an animal for the glory of God. And I would struggle as a person if I had to kill an animal to eat it. It, it gets blurrier when I have to kill an animal if my family has to be fed. Um, but even then, I think... I would turn to other sources. So I struggle as a human being in my day and age with why would I allow someone else to slaughter that animal so that I can eat. Um, and so that's, that's the journey that I'm on right now. 
and and I know there's lots of other answers that lots of other people can make, but that's my journey. Um, I don't like to kill things. I don't even like to hurt things. I think we've talked about that recently. I don't like to hurt things even when it means good coming from it. That's, that's a, a growth place for me. Um, you know, so I don't like to hurt things. That's a major part of who I am. Um, and, and I think if I lived in a world where something had to be sacrificed, I would hope I would make the choice that I believe Jesus made um, to say, you know, if somebody has to die, let it be me. Um, I would gladly choose that if somebody had to die, I would say, take me over my son, over my daughter, over my wife, over the people in my church, over most people that I know, over most strangers that I know. There may be a few people that that I think would be happier dead that I might let you sacrifice before me. But I think my my choice would be, I can't do this, God. You're asking me to kill someone else for my good. I can't do it. How about you take me? But isn't that the whole point? Like, isn't that the easier, like, choice for almost everybody? I think so. So, like, isn't it like that the whole point is, like, that's not what God is asking of us. Like, God isn't asking us the easy choice. God is asking us the hard choice. Right. And I... I'm not saying that what Jesus did was the easy choice or that choosing to sacrifice yourself is an easy choice. But I think that most people agree with you. Most people in our culture aren't used to killing things. Most people in our culture don't like hurting things. Most people in our culture couldn't live with the guilt. Like, I think it's pretty standard that most of us, if given the choice between a person that we love, especially a person that's been put in our care, like a child, to die or ourselves, I think most of us would choose ourselves, right? Yeah, I think so. Um, so isn't I've, that the whole point? Like, that's what God God isn't asking us to make the choice that would be easiest or most natural to us, but he's asking us to make the hard choice. Yeah, and I'm saying I don't think I could do that. Yeah. You know, I mean, there's a, there's a movie and a TV show where criminals... Um, I think Robin Williams was even one of them on Law and Order, um, um, where he puts you in a situation where, like, I would have to, he says to me, Amy's going to die here. You have a gun. I want you to shoot her. Mm -hmm. If you don't shoot her, I'm going to shoot her. Mm -hmm. 
Mm-hmm. Um, but but you have to shoot her. Mm-hmm. Um, because if you don't, I'm gonna shoot her, and then I'm gonna shoot you. Yeah. And it's like. I I don't think I could do it. Right, right. But nobody could do it. That's right. the whole point. That's, I mean, that's and why, that's why it's torture, right? Yeah. 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 So it's like that's the whole point. Like God isn't ask I mean I, I still don't completely understand like the cultural references and like the Isaac and right, Abraham story. Right. I think there's like a lot more there. I don't understand the tradition of sacrifice exactly. I don't really understand Abraham's expectations there. Right. Did he really believe that God was going to let him kill? Like, is that really how it was going? I don't right. know all the details and intricacies of it. Right. But I mean, yeah, the whole point is that in order to be as connected to the Lord as possible, like we are not supposed to have attachments to this world. Right. And that our loved ones are attachments. Like, and that doesn't mean that I don't believe in a tradition where we should turn our back on those we love and go live in a cave. I think we need each other. And I think like, the family of God and the kingdom of heaven is made up of these loving exchanges between us and those that we care about. So I think that that's important, but there is a difference between conditional and unconditional love attachment and detachment. So if, so if God was saying to me, Bob, you have to sacrifice Amy to prove that you're not attached, you're willing to not be attached to this world? I don't think I have that much faith. Yeah, and I think I that's think what I it's saying. Quit. Right. And and I don't think I think this is where where I used to be confused is I don't think that it's a question between God saying, Do you love me more or do you love Amy more? I think it's a question of God saying, do you see clearly or are you still confused? Are you still an illusion or do you see clearly? Because if you really see clearly, then you see like Jesus and you know that death doesn't exist. (laughs) You know that this whole like confusing, brain twisting, emotional turmoil that you're you're in, like it's not even real. If you really believe in God and eternal life and that, like, we can overcome death, then then none of that is even valid, you know? Right. I guess. But I, I personally, and I think I'm not alone... Uh, I personally would struggle with the idea that I can take, I can end someone else's life here on this earth based on my belief that they're going to live on. I don't think I deserve to have that power. No, but... But in this situation, you don't have that power. Abraham doesn't have that power. God has the power. Right. He's not doing... This isn't his enemy. He's not doing this of his own accord. Right. 
has nothing to do with his desires, right. but his power. I don't know, and and I'm not as advanced as Abraham in that situation because I don't know if I would trust God that much. Yeah, but that is a problem. Yeah, but you're alive, so. Yeah, but I mean, we, we don't know the glories that could have existed had something like that gone through. That's the whole point. It's like, and again, I don't believe in sacrifice. I'm not like, I don't think like Jim Jones did a good job with the Kool-Aid. Do you know what I mean? Like, these are tragedies. Right. I'm not saying like, like, again, I'm not saying we should be in a cave somewhere. I'm not saying we should all kill ourselves or others because it doesn't matter. That's not what I'm saying. But I think that this is a classroom where we're trying to learn clarity. We're trying to learn truth. Right. We're trying to understand the world and heaven and God and our souls for what we really are. Right. And so, to, so I think like, I don't think the question is God saying, are you willing to do this for me? Do you love me this much? I think he's saying, do you see clearly here? Right. You know? So for me, God has done a great thing by speaking to and through the Apostle Paul, because I can turn to Romans 12 and hear Paul write what he believes God has shared to present yourself a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God. That is something that I can shoot for. Um, I, that is something that I can live for. And isn't that because you're a follower of Jesus? Like, isn't that the whole point? Like, your inability to sacrifice your child or yourself, like your ability to live without that burden is because you're a follower of Jesus? I don't know. Why would that specifically mean that? Because Jesus sacrificed himself so that you never have to make that sacrifice again. Like, didn't he break that system? Like, isn't one of the reasons why you're not comfortable with that sacrifice because you live in a Christian yes. culture? Yes. You know? Although like, I can't imagine Gandhi making that decision. Yeah, I'm not saying it's unique to Christianity. Right. But I'm saying, like, isn't that a huge tenant of the pre and post Jesus world? That, like, if you are a follower of Jesus, you no longer have to worry about making that decision because the lamb has already been sacrificed. Right. The price has already been paid. Yeah. I mean, isn't that yeah. like a central tenant of. Yes, it is. Yeah. Absolutely. So then like all that turmoil and difficulty that you would feel that is just turned into gratitude and the glory given back to God, because like he has saved you from that difficulty right and that and so then then what you're leading like towards is like this idea that rather than having to deal with that pain and difficulty of 
sacrificing something as uh, valuable as your child, you get to offer a living sacrifice, which is a total transformation of the sacrificial culture. Right. Right. It's, it's beautiful. <laughs> right. Right. Yeah. Um, and in light of that, it's pretty challenging because I don't have to do that one thing that I don't think I could do. Right. Um, but I don't let the gratitude of that and the, the, the wonder and the, the beauty of all that lead me to be always faithful in being a living sacrifice. Right. Because to me, the challenge for us now is to say greater love hath no one than to lay down their life for a friend. You know, um, love your enemies, give to those who ask. Um, it's all that same thing, an awareness that what I see and feel in this earth can always become a, an attachment or a distraction and can keep me from doing the things that God wants me to do. Right. And what God is asking is for me to live a sacrificial life. Yeah. Which means there are things that I may want in this world then I need to let go of so that I can share with others what they need. Yeah. Yeah. And I would also like shine a light on the perspective that at least in the Eastern traditions that I have studied, like a sacrifice can mean a giving up of something, which I think is kind of what we understand it as, but it can also mean a giving of something. Right. Right. <laughs> Like my, like I chant, I meditate for almost two hours a day. And that's like from the yoga scriptures, that's considered the sacrifice for this age. Right. Like previous right. ages, maybe it would have been animal sacrifices or grain sacrifices or maybe human sacrifices. Right. But like it's been determined that in this age, the sacrifice is meditating, yep. glorifying God, yep. chanting, you know? Yeah. And so. I think that that's also, you know, sometimes we don't feel like going to church. Sometimes we don't feel like reading the scriptures. Right. Sometimes we don't feel like listening to worship music. But, like, if we consider those a sacrifice, like, it's not, you don't always have to feel like doing it. Right. But it's one of those things that once you do it, you usually feel better right. after. As a matter know? of fact, it's important for you to do the right things even if you don't feel like doing them. Right. Yeah. But I think that we, at least I, was kind of taught more like, you know, going to church, singing worship music, praying, that those were for me. Yes. <laughs> they were I see. I see. And see, in the 80s, there was a song that caused turmoil in the church because it's called The Sacrifice of Praise. Mm -hmm. Which I think what you were talking about with meditation or devotion. Yeah. 
you know yeah um it's i bring the sacrifice of praise you know um yeah and that whether or not i feel like going to worship god i need to worship god yeah and maybe at the time i don't feel like it is the time i need to do it most yeah you know yeah there's a there's a current phrase song that's also like uh we're coming back to the heart of worship right. where it's all about you right it's all about you yeah yeah because i think yeah because going to worship isn't about us it's about right. god right well i just think like as you were saying like it's it's i totally get what you mean that like we we don't want to sacrifice our child but like we don't even want to sacrifice our saturday morning right like right we would rather spend our saturday morning watching like real housewives of orange county on and like like eating pancakes right. when we could sacrifice we could get up a little early on saturday morning before like the kids are bouncing around and go for an hour meditation walk yep. or read a part of it but we don't even want to sacrifice something like that right you know Right. So I think it's true what you're saying. Like, yeah, we're so lucky to not live in a time where God is requiring us to sacrifice our firstborn child. But in a way, those demands forced people like Abraham to yeah. be very focused. Yeah. Yeah. Because how many times do we let our family keep us from doing things that God wants us to do? And how totally. many times do we let our job keep us from doing things that God wants us to do? How many times do we let our hobby keep us from doing things that God wants us to do? How many times do we let our, our desire for security, financial security, keep us from doing what God wants us to do? Yeah. And yeah. how often do we live a sacrificial life for the glory of God as opposed to for ourselves. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that's what Abraham was showing, you know? Yeah, obviously. This is someone who is focused, who understands the truth, you know? Yeah. And who doesn't doubt God, like, you know, like. Right, right. So I guess God was smart in not having me be that story because I, I'm not sure I would have done it. I think it's I think it's a challenging example with Isaac and Abraham because the values of the culture and society have just changed so drastically. Yeah. So to say that we couldn't do what he did puts us on the right side now. And so it's a complicated, yeah. uh, like ethical discussion to have. Right. Do you know what I mean? Right. Because like, yeah, because like, by like, what do we want? We want, we want you to say that you were willing to sacrifice your child's feelings. No, nobody wants you to say that. Do you know what I mean? Because it's not like that anymore. The entire premise and setup of the situation is different now than what it was then. I don't think that God wants you to sacrifice the feelings of your child. That's I don't think that's what you know what I mean? I don't think that's the punchline here. No. So I think it's no. So I think it's a complicated uh 
like Abraham was God wasn't asking Abraham to sacrifice like the life of his child because like God didn't believe that his child was going to die. Like it's like if, if Isaac was killed, then Isaac was going back to be with God. Like, you know what I mean? Like the, the clarity and the understanding, I think at that time it's different than it is now. And I think, so I think it's impossible to make the same argument now. And it also, anyone who says they're not willing to do what Abraham did is a hero now. Like you're the good guy now for saying you're not willing to do what Abraham did. You're the good guy for saying you're not willing to sacrifice Andrew's feelings or Andrew's no, ambition. I don't think so. Yeah, in our in our society, you are. In Whether our society, you're indulging your child. No, being kind to your child, respecting your child as a person, parenting in a gentle way. Like, I I think in our current culture, the parent who loves and respects their child's feelings over their own outworld outlook is is the is right. Okay. Like that is the direction in which our parenting culture is moving, you know? So I think it's a complicated uh, example to try to put into our current situation, you know. It is a complicated yeah. situation. Yeah. Yeah. Um, because I don't think I don't think I don't want people to be confused that what we're saying is siding with God. That's exactly what I was saying. I don't think it's happening here. It's like we're not being asked to side with God over our loved ones. That's not what's being asked here, and that's kind of the soccer right, example. But it's but it's the question of what things are is God asking you to do. And what keeps you from doing that? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Are you willing to sacrifice the things that are keeping you from doing what God wants you to do? Right. Or are you going to hold on to that? Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think that's true. I mean, that's the challenge of being a living sacrifice right yeah 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 so so this week i'm thankful <laughs> that i don't feel any call to sacrifice anybody that i love or hate i'm thankful for that and if you're thankful for that thank god for that but this week Think about what it means to be a living sacrifice and ask yourselves, where have I conformed myself to this world so that I don't even hear the things that God wants of me? And what does it mean to be a living sacrifice sacrifice to get back to the point where what God wants is my greatest desire. Because I know it's best for me, for the people around me, and for this world. If you're in that place, rejoice. If you're not in that place, 
place. Ask God to help you transform your mind. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of Big Fish Little Pod. We are having such a great time making this podcast, and we're really appreciating all of the feedback and input that we get from you. Please comment on the podcast post on my dad's Facebook page, or send us an email at bigfishlittlepod at gmail.com. Thanks. See you next time.